This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Will Anderson, I'm Will Anderson. And we're doing this podcast, which... uh, We don't have a name yet. Don't have a name yet. No. How's your week been? It's been... Well, it's been highs and lows, Charlie. (laughs) I will tell you that for free. I'm going to pretend like I haven't heard this story. (laughs) Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, darling. Happy anniversary. <laughs> 10 years. 10 years. What, what is, is 10 that? years? Oh. Like, look it up. Look up what 10 years is uh, in uh, what we should be getting each other as gifts for our Guess. 10 year I think it's paper. Paper? Isn't one of them paper? Yeah, but 10 years? It feels like after 10 years together, you should get more than paper. Divorce papers. <laughs> Here's my papers I'm serving you. I'm, I'm giving you a podcast divorce. You've got to, um, you're going with Osher. You get half, <laughs> half of the topics. You take Dave. And I'll take Dave Anthony, Mine will be a much and more I'm pleasant. And the other half of the topics. <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, if we both had to move on and I had to move on with Osher and you had to move on with Dave, I think one of us is going to have a much more relaxing <laughs> next 10 years. Well, I might take everyone relax. <laughs> yeah, you'll need it. I'll need that to have my podcast with Dave and you can have cool things for cool people. <laughs> yeah, good. I like it. All right, so the 10-year uh, anniversary is marked with tin or aluminium, or as the Americans would say... Aluminium. Aluminium. So, uh, well, I-, I will get you... A can of Coke. A can of Coke. <laughs> an icy cold can of Coke. I'll make you a bong out of an old can, can of, of Coke. Coke. <laughs> you'll drink the can of Coke and then you'll turn that can of Coke into a bong for me. Uh, it warms my heart whenever I'm walking through a park and I find a discarded homemade bong, like an old Coke bottle with a bit of garden hose and some blue tack around it. Bit of tin foil folded into a cone. It's like, well, some things change, Will, but some things stay the same. I mean, this podcast is the homemade bong of podcasts. <laughs> it really is. It is. And I love that even in our, uh, well, the, people will have heard an episode yesterday, uh, a new episode, but the week previous episode, we had microphone problems, <laughs> which means that in 10 years, a decade of doing this show, we're still having the problems we had in the first few shows. Of How the show. do you think it would go down with Dave Anthony if you had the amount of mic problems you've had with me in 10 years with Dave recording a show? I have had the amount of mic oh, problems really? that I've had with you in 10 years because we've been doing FOFOP for eight years and uh, Dave's been there for that entire journey and so there was a lot of mic problems as well. There was one episode that we never released because... A, it had terrible audio, but B, we ended up talking about the climate and the environment, and this was about seven years ago. I was living, um, it was the three months I lived at the Standard Hotel. So I was working in the US and I hadn't been able to find anywhere to live for a while. And the uh, I was going in and out of town, you know, to do shows on the road. And so it worked out that it was just more economical for me to have 
a permanent hotel room at the Standard Hotel. So for three months of my life, like some sort of enigmatic Hollywood like superstar, I just—it's like the you know the, that's the Keanu Reeves legend—is that for you know years all of his Matrix money, he never bought a house. He just had a motorbike and a suitcase and whatever hotel would have him. Well, I was like four that, seasons, but probably. I just had a hotel. And a suitcase. Yeah. I did not have the motorbike. <laughs> no. But it was... And none of that Matrix money either. It was a great... He had some of my Matrix money. Yeah. Money I had spent <laughs> watching the Matrix movies. And uh, it was brilliant fun living in a hotel. But we recorded one in a hotel room at the Standard that we got so depressed about the future of the world that we uh-huh. thought we just can't the audio is terrible but also the content of this is so depressing (laughs) and yet we've joked about it since everything we mentioned in that podcast we would quite happily if you're offered the world we're in today versus the world we speculated about in that podcast you'd say lock in that podcast i'll have that that was actually a sunny version of the future we found ourselves in it's amazing i wrote a uh a feature film that uh, uh, went through many rounds of Screen Australia development and in the end was denied. And it was a film that uh, speculated about the environmental disaster that Australia would be facing in the future. And I'm so glad we never made it because I really didn't set my sights high enough for the kind of impact and the rate at which it spread. I didn't really fully appreciate just how bad things were going to get. My science fiction film, my terrifying vision of the future, would look uh, playful by today's standards. Okay, so we started this 10 years ago which means we started it on the 2nd of july 20 uh, 2010 2010 right yeah instead of us going through old episodes because we just speculated oh maybe we'll go back to the first episode see what we talked about let's go back to the 2nd of july 2010 can you look up what the biggest movie in the world was uh back in 2010 maybe what the big tv shows were you know what the music was what the news events of 2010 are. Let's just look at yeah. 2010. One Direction, we're riding top of the charts. <laughs> All right. I want to know what the world was when we decided that we were going to do this podcast. What 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 did what that happening? world look like? Okay, so this is a website called On This Day. Great. What happened July 2nd, 2010? Two idiots recorded a podcast <laughs> <laughs> after many false starts. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there were there, it's it's not a huge amount, so we can start we can start, start micro on the day and then yeah, yeah. spread out. Okay, so um, historical events on July second: FIFA World Cup, Ghana, only African team remaining in the last eight are beaten four two on penalties by Uruguay. Netherlands upsets Brazil two to one. Well. They just sort of announced that the uh, women's uh, FIFA is coming to uh, Australia. Not exactly July 2nd, but a couple of days beforehand, a few days before. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, that shows how the world has changed. We're talking about the Women's World Cup. We're talking about it here in Australia. And I think Australia's going to dominate that World Cup because we're not going to let any other countries and teams into (laughs) our country because they're all still going to have COVID and we will have shut all our borders. So we are going to dominate. As long as New Zealand don't knock us off, we should be fine to win that cup. An oil tanker, truck explosion... Mm in the Democratic Republic of Congo kills at least 230 people. No. Well, I mean, I imagine... In terms of civilian deaths. Yeah. We I mean, used to think that was a lot. That was a lot. Whereas, like, now, that's your sort of overnight COVID figures. So you're happy if only that many people die overnight. Uh, there was a famous wedding, well, to Americans, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Miss California, USA, 2009, Carrie Prejean, mm-hmm. weds Oakland Raiders quarterback Kyle Boller in San Diego. Yeah. 
Well, here's what I would think. At the time, that was probably the biggest celebrity wedding going around, and now we don't remember who either of those people are. <laughs> uh, there was famous deaths on that day okay, as well. Yeah. Uh, Beryl Bainbridge, the oh, author, no. died, uh, born in 1932, and uh, French actor Laurent Terzioff oh, yeah? from uh, Head Over Heels and Milky Way <laughs> died uh, at 75. Um, let's see. So Pour one out. Ritz. Here's some info about July 2nd, 2010. Um, it was a Friday. It was, uh, uh, it was not a leap year. The generation was Generation Z. They are the ones who inherited the earth. Is that what we're at right now? They're the ones controlling the narrative? They came after millennial, right? I think they're the ones who are currently going after millennials. You're right. Millennials are currently feeling what millennials have been doing to older generations for years. Finally, millennials are old enough that they're being resented by Generation Z. A few years... When that... Was it last year? When did the Ghostbusters trailer? How do I've got no idea about time now. The new Ghostbusters trailer, not the female one, the one that they're going to do. Last year. Was it last year? Right. So when that came out, there was a bunch of like, I guess, Generation X's getting very excited about it and writing online. And the millennials came after us. I was shocked by just how much they were like, look at these middle-aged nerds and their fucking ghost stories. And we're going to chase people around with our ghost hoses, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, you listen here, fuckos. When Generation X take a look at Harry Potter, they're not going to look on that story's way too kindly, especially now that we know that the author is a raging bigot. Yeah, we've seen how excited you motherfuckers get about Space Jam. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, okay, so do you want to know more about 2010? Yes, please. Yes. yes. All right. Important events in 2010. Uh, there was the massive earthquake in Haiti that killed 160,000 people, destroying the majority of the port, the capital port au prince. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually, I mean, that's a significant amount of deaths. That is on track with what we're sort of seeing at the moment. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. Lock, lock. But that was a... But that was a single event, not an ongoing event, right? No. Ours has been a slow... Exactly. It's like if that hurricane hit weekly for about three months. Uh, The oil rig Deepwater Horizon exploded, killing 11 and causing the rig to sink, but giving Mark Wahlberg an opportunity to win an Oscar. (laughs) So... An opportunity that he did not take. (laughs) Uh, August 19, Operation Iraqi Freedom Ends. Oh, thank oh. God. We got out of We're Iraq, gone. guys. Hang on. Let me just finish the sentence. <laughs> Ends successfully. <laughs> Nothing else bad ever happened. Well done, everybody. <laughs> High five. Freedom has been maintained <laughs> since that point worldwide, particularly in the Middle East. Gee, that is a confident statement. The last, the, the last United States Brigade of combat teams crossed the border to Kuwait. Yeah, and then they went straight back in, I imagine. <laughs> It's like the uh, hokey pokey. <laughs> you put your brigade in, you take your brigade out. Uh, October 13, uh, a mining accident in Chile comes to a happy ending as 33 miners arrive at the surface after surviving a record 69 days underground. I bet they did. In fact, the thing is that they actually could have come out on the 68th day. They thought, <laughs> these on, boys guys. need a laugh. <laughs> when they look back on this, they've been shitting in their helmets, you know, in front of their mates for 68 days. They might as well come out on day 69. A little known fact, those miners came out in a human centipede. <laughs> oh, man, basically. That, 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 I can't, that, that does date it. There you yes. go. That's the first one that I clearly remember the, Me too. the minor uh, the fact that that is now a decade ago because i remember being in front of the tv i think i was in the u.s at the time and i remember being in front of the tv watching 
you know, those miners come out. And it did feel like the first time that the whole world were watching something again. Yeah. You know, because these days the world does seem so fractured. And COVID, the one thing that has probably been, I mean, I guess it's a, it's not even a good thing about it, but it is just an interesting thing about it is it suddenly makes you look at the entire world again. It is something that the entire world is experiencing together, like a terrible thing that we're all experiencing together. But you get to see you know this idea it's that's why when it's hilarious in australia when somebody's just like oh we went too hard here you know like because our numbers are pretty good they're like oh we shut down yeah. everything too much like we've overcorrected and you're like just look at any other country no yeah. don't look at new zealand yeah but look at any other country no it this is a proper serious thing and i think the miners i remember there was camera crews from all over the world yeah. and those miners. People, it's, uh, people, a news, yeah. news cycle loves a trap dinner. Like the sequel, which was the boys in the, mi- in the cave in, in Thailand. Yeah. That also gripped the world it, because they play out like films because there's like, you know, there's a, there's, you've got the establishing characters, you've got the conflict, and then you're watching for the resolution. Uh, I remember the joke that I had about the Chilean miners oh, yeah. that I used to do. I thought you might. I actually was wondering if you were going to bust that out when you. I used to do a bit about uh, how I thought it would be funny if, when the Chilean miners came out of the cave, uh, all the camera crews were dressed like the uh, monkeys <laughs> from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that was. <laughs> there's been some changes. Uh, in December twenty. 20- Second, saw a repeal of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, a 17-year-old policy banning homosexuals serving openly in the U.S. military, signed into law by President Barack Obama. Now, that feels to me, that was a very different world, wasn't it? I mean, in in these 10 years we've been doing the show, uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell went, that, uh, you know, same-sex marriage has been legalised. Uh, you know, in a, a lot of Island, places Australia. around the world. I'm not saying we're directly responsible for those things, but, you know. <laughs> we ushered it in. Correlation, not causation. Um, okay, in uh, terms of culture, uh, TV and film, July 8th, Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, premieres in London. And I think that's worth noting because Christopher Nolan's had a fairly large influence on this podcast. Even the fact that Inception references are now 10 years old. Yeah, Like, I still bust out a, this is like Inception. Inception. You've been accepted. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, wow, that's like 10 years ago. And, of course, the first movie that will go back into cinemas, although it's been delayed for another month now, they announced. Tenet. Today, Tenet. 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 What is it? What do you say? Things are the same front and backwards. Palindrome. It's a no. uh, yeah. Is that right? It's palindrome. Yeah, palindrome. I know. I think yeah. yes. And uh, that's a clue, right? Don't you think? Tenet. The fact that it's a palindrome. Oh, absolutely. And it's about moving through time. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, you would think so, unless Christopher Nolan's <laughs> really phoning it in these days. Yeah, it's actually meant to be called Tenth. I don't know because some guy misspelled it on the poster and he just went with it. <laughs> Um, okay, top of the charts, uh, July 23rd, One Direction is formed. Oh, you were right. Oh, I got during the, during okay. the X Factor show, as Niall Horan, Harry Styles, Liam Payne, Zayn Malik and Lewis Tomlinson join together. Yeah, sorry. I thought that I just saw the One Direction thing got excited. But I wasn't far off, was it? There wouldn't have been much longer. If they 
if they are formed there, I imagine they won within a few months and those reality shows pump out a single pretty quick after that. So I'd say within three months. That's my guess. Yeah. One Direction. One Direction who would come to dominate the next decade. Pretty like, I That's mean, funny, but even they feel like a million years ago, right? Well, because... One Direction references are they all ancient. They all look like... Well, they've all had their own solo projects and they're all mm. kind of famous for various different things now. And yeah, they all seem like old men doing well not old men but like men men yeah doing their men men, men stuff <laughs> ben mendelson and yeah they the idea that they used to be this like you know teenage boy band one direction is I'll, I'll, here's some my knowledge so as as, as I, look i've already forgotten his name is it zalem zayam 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 malik zayam malik i think yeah so he was the first to leave and he's dating a model that's okay. what i know probably, harry styles probably good looking dated everyone good looking in acts yeah Right, and he does I think movies. He's had some famous girlfriends as well. Harry right. Styles, I'm pretty okay. sure. Probably Taylor Swift at some point. Probably. Probably. One of them did. I bet one of the One Direction people did. And then my knowledge starts to wear thin. And I know I just read the names out, but I think one of them, so what have we said? Niall Horan is the funny Niall one. Niall Horan. He's, what does he he's look the like? Ringo. Okay, right. <laughs> What does he look like? I mean, he's the dorky one. You know how every boy band has like the kind of fun to be dorky honest, one. I only know the I've kind of blonde, Zane. sandy hair. So Zane, who's kind of like cool, yeah, like as in he's like got tattoos, quite and stuff, sexy, right? like yeah. sharp looking. And he's kind of legit, right, Zane? Doesn't he he's done like R and B? Yeah, I think his music's you know a bit more experimental. Then you got Harry Styles, who's just he's your Justin Timberlake, I reckon, of the group. Yeah, cool. With, how come every boy band has the same structure where there's always one guy who's the legit songwriter, like the Gary Barlow or the Jordan McKnight or Jordan Knight or whatever his name? There's always one guy who's the legit, you know, Machiavelli kind of songwriter who goes on to maybe not to have the best career, but then will write songs that make him a billionaire for the rest of his life. Well, it's a bit like, uh, you know, again, you're putting together a boy band's like putting together the Avengers. Or the A-Team, yeah. Right? Like... There is a point where you need a you know, certain set of skills covered off by everybody and then you need a like Joey Fatone or a Noel Horan who are the essentially the Hawkeye mm. of the operation where you're like, you're not you're not all these other people have superpowers. Yeah, yeah. You're not really necessary here, but there's something about you that's relatable and keeps the team together. I mean it is amazing that you need one ugly, untalented guy in every boy band. Like, there's always one guy who's like, why is he here? And it's like, just for balance. I think it's just team balance. I think also, if you're pitching to teenage girls, I think in a really cynical way. Don't racehorses have donkeys that follow them around? It's like companion Teaser animals? ponies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, every boy band, you just need one kind of ordinarily talented, ordinary looking kind of dude. I think you need... To get the stallions. I think you need one who's happy to talk to the fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> you need one who's happy to do, you know, the community radio interviews uh i think that you need and this might be speculating in an area that i don't know that much about but i imagine what you're trying to do if you're selling a band like that to predominantly teenage girls right is that you're looking to go we don't want to just sell this to a type of teenage girl we want to be able to sell this to every type of teenage girl so we want these teenage girls to look maybe there's like a more you know, and I mean this in the, a wallflower, yeah. nerdy, bookish type Sensitive. teenage girl. She's yeah. not going to go straight to your Zane. He's too bad boy for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Harry Styles is a bit too cool. He's going to hook up with Taylor Swift or whatever. Yeah. You need one member of One Direction that when all your friends are like, I love Zane. And you I, need a I non, love, non-threatening yeah, heartthrob. You can, well, and also one that's only yours. Yeah, right. You know, one where you can go, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that I one. I like Niall. <laughs> 
So I've always liked Noel the best anyway. I don't know what you guys are talking about. There's, there's a great doco that was on YouTube, uh, YouTube Red or whatever it was called for a while that was um, on uh, Backstreet Boys and InSync, and it was about the producer. That, so the guy who put those bands together um, was this dude who... Uh, uh, it's one of those great music docs where it takes a complete turn sort of halfway through. So this guy... Um, he used to work in airlines, had his own airline, you know, and came in and was always sort of into bands and stuff like that and into music and wanted to be a manager, but was really sort of this sort of dumpy, unattractive guy, like a used car salesman, but just really dedicated. And he was a guy who kind of got the Backstreet Boys together and started touring them and in sync. And it's told from InSync's perspective and they sort of talk about, you know, they're all talent school kids from different areas. They all got recruited, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they knew they had this pathway. They, they were going to be the next Backstreet Boys. And the way this manager kind of uh, set it up was he's playing them off each other. Like, he set up a rivalry, which was a good way to incentivize these guys to work harder and be better. Um, but they talk about, you know, their first album or whatever their big blow-up album was, sold millions of copies. And so it's been three years of really hard work and, you know, they've fucking toured and done every bit of press and they sit down to this big dinner and they're all, their parents are all invited and... The manager gets up and makes a speech and then hands them all like a check and they're like, well, the album sold like 30 million. It's got to be at the top end, maybe two or three million. Bottom end, half a million would be fine. $10,000. They open the book and it's $10,000. And they could have started a podcast. <laughs> but then they go and then they start talking to the Backstreet Boys and the Backstreet Boys are also getting shafted and the reason he was keeping them apart it's kind of what they're trying to do with workers at the moment don't discuss your pay because right. then you might unionize which is exactly what they did the, the backstreet boys and nsync formed sworn union. enemies they were well they basically went to a law firm together they yeah. went and sued him because the contract they signed and i don't know how you can do this but it was so bad yeah. it was so unfair that they were able to break it or they, at yeah. least they were able to pull their money and hire smart enough lawyers to work out how they could get out of the deal Okay, all right. So Backstreet Boys in sync, One Direction. The, yep. This is what we're talking about on our <laughs> anniversary <laughs> podcast. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, was it what else? Uh, so movies. Oh, what else happened? Yeah, what else happened in 2010? Okay, we've only got um, about another 10 minutes. So a famous gonna... Disney composer received a star, Hollywood Star on the Walk of Fame. Okay, sport. Here we go. Sport. Uh, some guy, Alexandra Bilju, wins a gold medal in freestyle skiing. Uh, Sachin Tanduka scores the first double century in one day international cricket. Wow. I mean, that's... Two high achievers, Tofop. And Sachin Tanduka. And the little, the little master. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jessica Watson at age 16 becomes the youngest person to sail solo nonstop unassisted around the world. 16 years old and you're sailing... Around the world. I wonder who her favourite member of One Direction was. <laughs> that is a... Would you... I mean, God, I wouldn't let my daughter do that. How do you let a teenager do something like that as parents? Be like, yeah, okay. I mean, I know you're good at sailing and stuff, but that is a different level of kind of trust. So to put I, a child. Iona comes to you age 16. Yeah. Because this is something that you're going to have to confront. Probably not this exact thing, but some version <laughs> Well, she of takes this. after her dad. I mean, not. to be honest, by the time she's 16, you know, the oceans might have risen to the point where everybody's sailing around the world on a boat. She's back there. I live on a boat, Dad. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, she's 16 years old and she wants to do so. Like, yeah, she literally pitches you this idea. I was listening to your 10-year um, anniversary podcast and you mentioned... Uh, 
Jessica, Jessica Watson, Watson and she sailed around the world and I went out and I had a really look at that and you know she's still the youngest person who's ever sailed around the world but I'm 15 years old and uh, you know I love sailing um, you know you you were the one who moved near the water <laughs> I took up sailing you said it was a healthy pursuit I wouldn't get in trouble with the boys if I was sailing and all girls or whatever it is you're very open and generous the sport supportive of whatever life I want to lead I appreciate that dad and now I need that support because I want to sail a yacht solo around the world and become the youngest person ever to sail around the world what do you think uh, I my instinct is say no <laughs> I say uh, don't dream don't have ambition I mean, if you just keep your or if you just keep your goals small, you won't be disappointed when they don't happen. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a hard thing. I'm selfish. I I wouldn't want her to go away. I mean, how long is that? Does that trip take? It's a long time, right? I mean, I've seen those videos of uh, Jesse Martin and all those kids who do it. It's fucking traumatic. Like when you are out in those big waves on your own. I mean, Jem's dad lives on a boat. He's a sailor. And he sailed once from um, the US all the way to kind of uh, Portugal. And that was nerve wracking. Like we all we had, he initially was going to set off without a radio. <laughs> like he was like, I'll just, I'll let you know when we get there. And we're like, can we just at least buy you like a GPS tracker? And so every night we would just log onto the computer and see. And when you can see it like that, it really brings home how lonely that is like he did the the path he took to get to europe i believe it's called the milk run because it's meant to be so easy it's like milk um but when he did it it should not ordinarily take like two weeks it took him almost six weeks because it was no wind and so we were just getting these little blips and it's like has his motor stalled he doesn't seem to have moved from last week and he would sort of send us these texts to say yeah all, all is well and it's like I don't think all is well because you packed enough food for four weeks and I know that you've been in the water for six weeks. So I reckon, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd, but, I'd, but I'd now say yes. But now you're saying it's in her bones. Now you're actually convincing me that this is a scenario that could happen. She might yeah. be like, I love the tales of grandpa that I was told and I want to uh, myself get on a boat and sail around the world. I guess it would depend on how competent I believe I, I, I saw her to be, not necessarily just as a sailor, but how does she cope with stress? Cause she's a loner, you know, maybe she's like a lot of kids are very independent and very, uh, uh, know what they want to do from a very young age. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to impinge that, but I guess your job as a parent is to kind of weigh up, you know, risk versus opportunity. And you don't want to deny them of anything that may help them grow as a person or something they set the heart on. But if that thing has a 90% chance they're going to die, you know, you, you have to, as a responsible parent, you have to say, I can't let you do this. What if they are like, I'm giving you two choices. Uh, you know, my boyfriend, you hate with all those tattoos, the tattoos on his eyelids. <laughs> I want to. I want to move in with him, and we're going to start a family. Get on the boat. <laughs> Get on the fucking boat. I mean, yeah. If that's, but that's. I mean, if she was uh, fucking had dropped out of school and was thinking about getting pregnant or whatever, I would be like, send her to the army. <laughs> like this kid needs something to focus on, some discipline or something. I mean, I don't know. I, I my my mum was very much supportive of whatever I wanted to do as long as you you know you weren't going to get hurt. But I mean, she got upset when I broke my collarbone playing football. Like I remember her being devastated by that and she felt so guilty and she shouldn't have heard it, let her delicate little boy go out with the bigger boys and get roughed up. So, you know, it's a hard fucking question. 
who was the Prime Minister of Australia in 2010? It would have been... Well, Kevin Rudd got in in 2007. Kevin 07? Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't, know, he, I don't think he lasted until 2010, but then, of course, he came back at some stage. Who was the Prime Minister of Australia in 2010? Uh, Julia Gillard. Okay. Ten years ago. Oh, you know what? I should have known that, actually. There was the ten years of her famous misogyny speech that she made in the Australian Parliament. That was actually the ten-year anniversary of that. Yeah, was. It wasn't good enough to beat uh, party boy Corey Worthington as the most iconic moment in Australian TV. It wasn't good enough to beat uh, misogyny. So, <laughs> <laughs> misogyny won. <laughs> Julia Gillard zero scoreboard <laughs> fancy speech but we'll yeah, notice I 10 mean, years <laughs> later guess what's still here the misogyny <laughs> so much misogyny the misogyny yeah. came second to the party boy yeah. <laughs> that's funny I mean not in a real world not sense no. in any way in a TV ranking sense yeah no oh man um, uh, okay, we, we have to start finishing up uh, because we're just doing this little bonus episode today. Well, do you want to just take a look at the very first... I'll just yes. give you the topics we talked about yes. in the very first And episode. we would like to thank... I know there are some people listening who have been with us since those first episodes. Um, there, if you are a new listener to this podcast, maybe you've thought, I'm going to give it 10 years, see how it goes. Yeah, and then I'm gonna, if it's got legs. And I'm going to jump in on a bonus episode. This is going to be the first one I listened to. Thank you. Uh, listen backwards and stop when it when you stop liking it. That is the advice we always give people. It was a different world 10 years ago. <laughs> there wasn't even one direction when we started doing this podcast. Things were a little different. So uh, thank you very much for listening. If you do listen to this podcast and you've stuck with us for all this time, uh, we genuinely appreciate it. And a big thank you to all the people over the years who have helped us. Well, let's shout them out. Podcast together. Well, James Fosdyke. James Fosdyke. First of all. Who's been with us for a very long time. Um, just approached us cold, sent us some artwork. Incredible um, artist, as everybody knows, knowing uh, and just so involved in our world, has brought so many of the things that we've done to life. Um, yeah, it's been great to become, you know, great friends with James over the years, but also see him, you know, grow as an artist. And if in some small way we've, you know, given him an audience and an opportunity to, you know, expand out and do other things as well, um, I think that's one of the things we can look back on really proudly about this podcast uh mike howell obviously the first guy to make our show sound good yeah <laughs> uh the great mike howell uh just an absolute gentleman an absolute legend um, available 24 7 and in a time where this podcast would not have gone on yes if someone wasn't available 24 7 we were in different countries the technology wasn't as advanced as it is now and he did uh, often heroic work in making sure that you guys got to hear uh, this show over the years. So, uh, Mike Howell, especially, yep, absolutely. Greg and Dave, introduce us to the American audience. Uh, absolutely. Uh, firstly, I mean, I guess that we wouldn't really have an American audience without walking the room. Yeah. That was really, you know, still to this day, a lot of people, you know, from overseas who've stuck with this show have come, you know, via walking the room and then later on, you know, Gareth and Dave through the dollop and the people that they've sent our way as well. I think really appropriate to give them a massive shout out. 
Yep. Uh, who else? Reed Parker. I'd like to do a special shout out to Reed Parker, a fan, but someone who's actually become woven into this show, and I have used many time now to mock up a Photoshop when I need it quickly. Uh, Justin Hobson, who did uh, early on days, would do uh, best of episodes right. for us and cut things up, which I think was absolutely. He was fantastic. instrumental in uh, starting the buzz around when I returned to the show. That was all him. Uh, and of course, uh, Podcast Mike, who now uh, has taken over those responsibilities and is doing an absolutely brilliant job. And uh, we're really loving having Podcast Mike involved. And of course, we should mention Sam Cav. Who? Yeah, Sam Cavanagh, <laughs> who is our uh, silent partner in this, you know, almost business that mm-hmm. we have. Um, and the fact that it has earned enough money to at least keep going for all this time and for our significant others to not say, fuck you guys, why are you doing that useless waste of time thing that also wastes all our money? Uh, then Sam, Sam Cavs uh, played a big part in that as well. Uh, and also, finally, uh, to Planet Broadcasting, uh, we jumped on their platform. We uh, saw this podcast that we really liked. We thought, hey, maybe we can hang out with these guys. Then found out it was infinitely more popular and successful than our show. And just very happy to be riding on the coattails of the Planet Broadcasting. And they have Claire brought and us also a... Um, Claire, James, uh, Meso through the Weekly Planet. Like, there's a whole bunch of people who now listen to this show who didn't previously. So, um, incredibly generous, yeah, of all those guys and the support that they've given us. And we should, even though they won't hear us, we should give our partners <laughs> oh, very patient, uh, 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 who have been incredibly patient with the fact that we have had this almost weekly conversation for the last last decade yeah i mean very few partners would put up with this level of shit in fact the other night when i was around your place before you recorded i went for a walk with amy and Gem, and they were talking about tofop and Gemma was asking amy have you ever listened to it and amy's gone oh, i've thought of listening to it but i listened to the dollop because i really like those guys and i was like oh i don't want to listen to them in this context and jem's gone you don't have an, you don't have to listen to it it's just the shit they talk about all the time <laughs> So if anyone has doubted the veracity of our conversation, this is as authentic as it gets. Okay, before we go, we're just going to revisit episode one, which was titled Super Piss. Okay, great. This was in our smodcast phase, you'd you'd call it. Um, Okay, so the first thing we discussed is, is a mayor a real job? Oh, that's a good topic. (laughs) I'm happy with that. I don't want to hear the conversation, but... What do you think we arrived at? I mean, what does a mayor do? Cut ribbons... Um, um, more than that. A like mayor, what else? I mean, ba- balance budgets, runs, council budgets. I don't know if they balance the budget, but they they are certainly the Allocate person in funds. charge at the local council. There would be like a committee and wearing sweet ass robes and big chains. A lot of big robes. <laughs> I mean, at that stage, the only mayors that the two of us would have been familiar with would have been Mayor Quimby and Mayor McCheese. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next topic we talked about was uh, what if Saddam Hussein congratulated Will for the glass house. Again, that's not a bad topic either. Oh, actually, I might go back and listen to this podcast. It sounds fun. Uh, Would you take that compliment? I mean... If a, if a, if a, if if a dictator, it, a horrible dictator, turns out big fan of yours. I mean, it would imagine if they found him in that foxhole <laughs> and he had like those the old hot house. dogs and just the best glass of the glasshouse DVD. Uh, next topic was, and this will be an ongoing theme, if Hitler had a time machine and could watch, watch Will on the ABC, what would that be like? Uh, after that, we talked about if Jesus came back, uh, but with a Hitler mustache, how would he be taken? Like Michael Jordan. What, why are you wearing Michael Jordan's mustache? Do you see the last dance? Uh, then you told your story of going to Coachella and finding the guy with the eye patch when you were hitchhiking. Oh, of course. 
Um, then I obviously made the suggestion, or one of us made the suggestion, and this is why we ask that people do not go Don't back. Don't start with the old episodes, but this was because... And this is in in a lot of art forms. This is always yeah, in stand up comedy it happens all the time. You you end up starting kind of trying to mimic the things that you like most. And we both like smodcasts, and they would have these sort of dirty conversations. dirty conversations because it felt like podcasting was suddenly this place where you know no one was having these conversations that were recorded and put out, and it felt really genuinely quite revolutionary to be able to have these sort of dirty you know sweary you know non-politically correct conversations conversations. and then it just you know as it developed and that became more the norm we (laughs) we pulled back pulled back a little (laughs) yeah when you what is it you when you stare into the abyss the the abyss (laughs) stares back back. (laughs) yeah the abyss stared back at us (laughs) Uh, so we discussed doing a shot of cum out of someone's eye yep. socket or coming into your own eye socket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we followed that up with, would you rather suck semen out of an eye socket or have three times that <laughs> in a boost juice? I don't know how that turns out to be an equivalent, but that was where we I went. I don't know, because, well, the boost juice is going to drown out the flavour because they already put, they'll for an extra 50 cents, they will put a shot of protein in your boost <laughs> juice. So, uh, You told us the story of a shit joke that someone sent you, which is where do New South Wales politicians' dicks go when they die? Do you remember the punchline? This is someone something sent to you. Where do New South Wales... It that makes no, no sense. No, I don't know. Uranus. <laughs> we didn't write that that was someone else wow uh, we talked about Daredevil comic book uh, then we talked about Superman versus the Flash I think it was a question of why do the Justice League need the Flash when they've got the world's fastest man already there good that we haven't moved on from those sort of conversations <laughs> does Superman feel the need to piss uh, hence the title yeah. Super Piss and then we finished with the age old question how far can Superman throw a beanbag bean <laughs> Oh, well, it's been a wonderful uh, I mean, 10 seriously, years. thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>